0: We're continuing in this theme of return and reflect together, and and we'll continue kind of through the end of this month. And so last week, uh, we, we returned to the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, and we saw that after rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city walls, they took to the really hard work of rebuilding the people of God. As they gathered together, engaged Scripture, chose leaders, and were called to trust in God. And last week, we took some time to reflect on this question. What can help rebuild us as God's people? What are some things that can help rebuild us as God's people? And uh, here's an image of our responses that once more, I'm sure, you can't really make out from your seat, but it's there nonetheless, and it's on the walls as well. But as I looked through our responses from last week, once more, there were a few themes that began to rise up. Uh, One of the first ones, one of the main ones, is growing in relationship with each other. Some of the things that were written down, uh, fellowship in community, encouraging one another, sharing stories, praying with and for each other, gatherings, meetups, and meals, people together. These are just a few of the things that that were written down, but but all of these speak to this, this desire to grow together deeper relationships, and how much we need that, right, after this past year. Uh, another theme that, that grew, uh, or that uh, stood out to me, is growing in God together. That was another thing that many people wrote about. A couple responses mentioned reading the Bible, studying Scripture. Uh, one mentioned spiritual disciplines. And there were a couple that, that mentioned learning and growing in our own spiritual gifts and putting those to work together. Uh, And so these speak of of growing in God together. And then finally, the the last thing that I noticed is where these two themes kind of intersect. The the theme of of growing in relationship with each other and growing in relationship with God and and the way that they intersect in, in our own gathering times, you know, Sunday gatherings. And so a few people wrote about worship and song And and that desire for that, and I'm so glad that we're beginning to sing some more together now. Uh, And then a few others uh, wrote about welcoming people as as they come, being hospitable to one another and and to new people. And so these are some of the themes that I noticed uh, rising out of our responses from last week. But then, many of us gathered together on Monday evening over Zoom. Uh, to kind of spend more time in conversation about all of these things. And so we looked at the past three weeks of questions and responses that, that we have up on the walls here, and, and just sort of together asked, hey, what do we see from all of this? What are we noticing? What, what's coming to the surface? And one of the big things that came out of the conversation this past Monday is the importance of Grieving just sort of the necessity of grieving. Something that I noticed uh, as, as I even just look at the, the you know, pages that we have on the walls is that the pages where we wrote down what are some things that we need to grieve are the fullest of all the ones that we've had over the last few weeks. They're the ones with the most responses, which I imagine is just the tip of the iceberg of the things that, that we really need to to work through and and bring out and process and and just hold together before God. Uh, Grieving, there's a lot for us to work on. But just like our responses from last week, there's another thing that came out of the conversation on Monday, and that is, once more, this need to grow together and knowing one another more deeply. Not just to be acquaintances with each other, who, you know, see each other on Sundays and maybe chat for a little while, but, but people who really know each other deeply and know one another's stories. And so a practical idea that kind of came towards the end of our conversation last week is, is something like creating some story groups, kind of creating spaces for us to share our stories together in small groups. And, and I've loved, since Monday night, a few people have continued this conversation and, and started looking for ways that we might experiment with this. What might this look like? How can we try this out? And so I'm, I'm so excited for, for this to maybe begin taking shape in the next few months. Uh, ways that we can create spaces to share stories together. To know each other more deeply. And, and you know, I think all of this talk of sharing stories really is the move of the Holy Spirit, because that is the theme that we're looking at in Scripture today. Uh, And and it was already planned to be the theme for today before it even came up in the conversation on Monday. I love it when God does this kind of stuff, right? He starts bringing themes out. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9 is where we are headed today. Uh, and we're going to look at this, this story that unfolds throughout this chapter. We're picking up right where we left off last week. And so if you remember, last week we looked at Nehemiah chapter 8. And we saw the people gathering all together and, and hearing the words of Scripture read before them. And, and then, you know, they responded by saying, amen, amen. They fell to the ground. They lifted their hands. They sent people among them to kind of explain what it was that was being read and, and talked about. And that's what we saw in chapter 8. And here in chapter 9, the people, after hearing this story from Scripture, respond and begin to retell this story through prayer. This whole chapter is a a long prayer to God that moves from the creation of the world to their present day. It's this mix of narrative, confession, and intercession. And altogether, it tells this great story of God and God's people. And so, here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, Instead of reading just Little snippets of it, and, and you know, having a, a big sermon. What I want to do is spend most of our time reading this chapter. I want to read uh, just about the, the entire chapter, I want to read the whole prayer all the way through. And then once we finish that, I'll offer a few uh, reflections and, and, and things. But there's a lot here. I mean, we're going to be reading a little over 30 verses, and what I would love is some help. And so I, don't, I haven't planned anything, I haven't asked anyone, can I get like three or four people who would be willing to read? I got Bill, all right, Jesse, and Andrea. And do we want one more? Mary, OK, awesome. So um, we've got mics. You can come up here to read. Or uh, Mary, I don't know if you want to stay seated. We can bring the mic to you. Um, But come on up, and what we'll do is I have the the scripture here on the screen, um, and each one of you can read two slides worth, and I think that'll get us through the the whole passage. Um, And so, yeah, go ahead and and come on up here, and and you guys can just kind of go through uh, two slides each, and I can read the last couple of slides. So, yeah, there we go. I will step aside. And so, Nehemiah chapter 9, this whole prayer uh, that unfolds the story of God. Let, let's hear it now. Everyone read two slides.
1: Starting at verse 6. You are the Lord. You alone have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth, and all that's on it, the seas, and all that is in them. To all of them you give life, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of the Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. And you found his heart faithful before you and made with him a covenant to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Gingasites. And you have fulfilled your promise for you are righteous. And you saw the distress of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted insolently against our ancestors. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day, and you divided the sea before them, so that they passed through the sea on dry ground, but you threw their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the way. In which they should go
2: you came down also upon Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right ordinances and true laws good statutes and commandments and you made known your holy Sabbath to them and gave them commandments and statutes and a law through your servant Moses for their hunger you gave them bread from heaven And for their thirst, you brought water for them out of the rock, and you told them to go in to possess the land that you swore to give to them. But they and our ancestors acted presumptuously and stiffened their necks and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders you performed among them, but they stiffened their necks and determined to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you did not forsake them. Even when they had cast an image of a calf for themselves and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies. You in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud that led them in the way did not leave them day by day, nor the pillar of fire by night that gave them light on the way by which they should go.
3: You gave your good spirit to instruct them, and did
2: not withhold
3: your manna from their mouths, and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, so they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. And you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land of King Sihon of Heshbon and the land of King Og of Bashan. You multiplied their descendants like the stars of heaven and brought them into the land that you had told their ancestors to enter and possess." So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the peoples of the land, to do with them as they pleased. And they captured fortress cities and a rich land, and took possession of houses filled with all sorts of goods, hewn cisterns, vineyards olive orchards and fruit trees in abundance so they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness
4: nevertheless they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you and they were committing great and they committed great blasphemies Therefore you gave them into the hands of their enemies who made them suffer. Then, in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you, and you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hands of their enemies. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you, and you abandoned them to the hands of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried to you, You heard them from heaven, and many times you rescued them according to your mercies. And you warned them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your ordinances by the observance of which a person shall live. They turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. Many years you were patient with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets yet they would not listen. Therefore, you handed them over to the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God.
0: Now, therefore, our God, the great and mighty and awesome God, keeping covenant and steadfast love, Do not treat lightly all the hardship that has come upon us, upon our kings, our officials, our priests, our prophets, our ancestors, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until today. You have been just in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we acted wickedly. Our kings, our officials, our priests, and our ancestors have not kept your law or heeded the commandments and the warnings that you gave them, even in their own kingdom, and in the great goodness you bestowed on them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you and did not turn from their wicked works. And here we are, slaves to this day, Slaves in the land you gave our ancestors to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They have power also over our bodies and over our livestock at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. Because of all this, we make a firm agreement in writing. And on that sealed document are inscribed the names of our officials, our Levites and our priests. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word and for the wonder of this great story. We thank you that you are a God who is faithful and gracious and forgiving. God, I pray that as we reflect on the words of your scripture today and consider this great story, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you to those of you who, who jumped up and, and helped to read. Um, this, this great prayer that, that tells the story of the people all the way from creation uh, to their present day. You see, and as we consider Nehemiah chapter 9, I want to emphasize once more something we've been talking about these last few weeks, and that is as we return and gather together again, before we just run ahead into the future— We need to look to the past. Before we run forward, we need to look back. And that's exactly what we see in this chapter, is the people have come back together. They look back by praying their story. By praying their story. So I just want to talk about story for a little bit. The basic elements of story, you know, that many of us probably learned back in in grade school or something, are place people, and plot, right? Place, people, and plot. These are the basic elements of any story, uh, and this is exactly what we see unfold throughout this passage. In verse 6, it begins with place. It says, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, and the earth, and all that is on it, the seas, and all that's in them. And to all of them you give life, and the host of heaven, worships you, right? And so God creates a place for this story to unfold. And then in verse 7, we're introduced to a person, right? You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. And Abraham is a single person, but is, is someone who represents the whole people of God. Maybe you remember that old story, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. So let's all praise the Lord, right? Abraham is one person, but he represents the whole people of God. He's the very beginning of this story of of God's people, this nation that God is calling as he redeems the earth. And so the place is established as God creates And the people are established as he calls Abraham. And then verse 9 introduces the plot. Verse 9 says, You saw the distress of our ancestors in Egypt, and you heard their cry at the Red Sea. Now, something that you learn very quickly in literature class is that plot requires conflict plot requires conflict. A plot is not just a series of events, but a movement from conflict to resolution. That's what makes a good story, a conflict moving toward resolution. And so the plot is introduced here with a conflict. The people are in distress in Egypt. The people are in distress And as we continue through the story and the rest of the chapter, we continue to see one conflict after another, after another. They're stuck in Egypt. Then they're stuck at the Red Sea. Then they're stuck in the wilderness, right? It just goes on and on. But then in verse 16, the plot thickens. Because conflict is not only around the people, but also within the people. It says they and our ancestors acted presumptuously and stiffened their necks. They did not obey your commandments. And so from this point on, the conflict exists within and among the people. All the way up to the final section that begins in verse 32, where the prayer moves from reflecting on the past to interceding, for the present, right? It says, now, therefore. And then it concludes in verse 37, we are in great distress, right? We're still living in conflict. And so from the creation of heaven and earth to the call of Abraham, to the cry of the people, this is the story, the place, the people, and the plot. And now with all this talk of story, there's another category that I think is really important for us to consider, and that's the category of author, the category of an author, right? Every story has an author, right? There's this fantasy writer who I've recently really enjoyed reading some of her books. Her name is Helena Sorensen, if you like fantasy Highly recommend. Go, go grab her book. She has a couple different uh, books, one, one series, on and on. But she describes her writing this way. Uh, she, she says she enjoys building dark fantasy worlds, dark fantasy worlds with hopeful, courageous characters. You see, often her stories begin in a really dark place, like they're, they're in turmoil from page one. Of her stories. And from that point on, things only get worse. You're saying, why are you recommending reading her? Right? But she describes her writing and writing these kinds of stories as a sort of spiritual practice. Because when everything in the story is going wrong, uh, she, she described, it's like, whenever all the evidence of this story, all the circumstances of the story would say, this is not going to work out. There is no way for the story to end well. She gets to find a creative way to bring redemption, resolution, and light out of this darkness that she's writing. And, And by writing stories like this, she gets to practice what God has been up to all along. Because you see, God is an author who brings light out of darkness. God is an author who brings life out of death. God is an author who brings deliverance from distress. You see, as we read the story in this passage, we see God as the author. And God is a good author. God is the one who created heaven and earth. God is the one who called Abraham. God is the one who carries the people through everything. When they were enslaved in Egypt, God set them free. When they were stuck at the Red Sea, God makes a way through the water on dry ground. When they wandered in the wilderness, God guides them with the pillar of cloud and fire, provides food for them and manna. And even when the conflict of the story moves from around them to within their own hearts, even then God's mercy extends. Verse 17, they refused to obey. They weren't mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. They stiffened their necks and determined to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And you did not forsake them. You did not forsake them. See, God is a good author. And no matter how bad the story gets, he knows how to bring it to resolution. He knows how to bring it to its good ending. And this is the essential story of the gospel. I mean, in the gospel, we are brought to the foot of the cross. What deeper place of hopelessness, is there? You look at this man on a cross who you thought was the Messiah. How could anything good come from this? This is the end. It's certainly not going to be a good ending. There's no way this could ever end well. But on the third day, right? But on the third day, he rose again. And what seemed completely impossible is brought to a great and wonderful resolution. God is a good author. When everything has gone wrong, he knows how to bring the story to its right place. He is a masterful storyteller. And this is the author who holds our story. This is the one who is writing our story. And so no matter how hard things have been over this past year, no matter how, how hard things might be now, we can trust this good author to write a good story. He is the one who holds our story. And this brings me to the last thing that I want to reflect on for a moment. And that is, if God is holding our story, well then how are we to hold our story? If God is holding our story, how are we to hold our story? See, I've already kind of hinted at this, but Nehemiah 9 is not just a narrative. It's not just a story. Nehemiah chapter 9 is a prayer. It's a prayer and i think it serves as a model for us in how we are to hold and reflect on our own stories you see our stories are not just journal entries to fill up pages although journaling is a wonderful practice our, our stories are not just therapy sessions for self actualization although therapy is very important a great healing tool But our stories are not only those things. Our stories are prayers that are meant to lead us more deeply into the heart of God, more deeply into a posture of worship. This is what our stories are meant to bring us to. And so, in closing... I want to just share a really practical way to reflect on our stories prayerfully. Uh, and this is something I actually sent, included some stuff about this in, in the email that I sent a couple weeks ago. But this is a, an, an ancient, hundreds-of-year-old practice called the examine. So some of you might be familiar with it. Maybe you've heard some talk here and there. But it's really just a simple way of prayerfully reflecting on our stories. And traditionally, the prayer of examine is something that you do at the end of every day. And so you, you will, at the end of your day, before you go to bed, you'll look back over the past, you know, 12 hours, 24 hours, and, and say, what happened? And you'll just walk through each hour of the day and hold each of those moments before God. But there's a couple of categories that uh, are important. And and traditionally, they're called consolation and desolation. You can probably guess at at what that means. Uh, As you walk through your day, you're looking for what moments were there where I experienced desolation, moments where there was death, despair, pain, fear. Where did I experience those moments? Moments where I withdrew. Moments where I felt stuck what are moments where there was desolation in my day? But also, were there moments where I experienced consolation? Moments where there was life, peace, hope, joy, where I didn't withdraw, I I stepped forward. I felt invited a little bit more fully into the day. What moments were there like that? Moments of consolation. And so traditionally, this is a practice that you do at the end of a day. You just look back over the last several hours and, and you say, God, where, where have I experienced desolation? Where have I experienced consolation? Where do I see you in the midst of all of that? And it's traditionally done at the end of each day, but you could really pick any amount of time. You could look at the past week. Or perhaps in this season, we could look at the past year. Of chaos, disruption, but ask these very same questions. Where did we find desolation and where did we find consolation? And as we discern those moments, we begin to see what God has been doing, ways that God has been inviting us and shaping us to step forward instead of withdraw. So I just want to practice that together here. So I want to invite you into a posture of prayer as we just sort of prayerfully reflect on the past year with this ancient practice called examine. And so I want to invite you to recall this past year or more. And maybe you can just walk through each month of the past year you know, start all the way back last March when everything was first disrupted. What was that moment like when plans started to get canceled? When restrictions started to come into place? What kinds of things did you experience in that beginning season? And well, maybe we move. Into last summer. What was that? Were those months like for you? What did you experience during that time? What new rhythms began to form in your life as you lived through this season? And maybe step forward to last fall. A few things maybe started to regather, started to happen again, but things were still very, very much limited. What did last fall hold for you? And maybe think of the winter months, Christmas, New Year's, what are the places, the people, and the plots that unfolded during that time for you? Consider this spring. Sun starts coming back out, flowers start to grow again. What do those months hold for you? And then here we are, entering summertime. What do these days look like now? What do you envision in the days ahead? And as we take this just very quick trek through the past year plus. You remi- remember each of these moments. Where are there moments of desolation? Moments of loss, fear, despair? Maybe moments where you feel frozen, hopeless, moments that caused you to withdraw. And as we consider these experiences, don't judge them. Don't, you know, wag your finger at them, but just hold them up before God. And then I also want to ask, over this past year, as you consider all of these moments, where did you experience Consolation? Where were there moments of life, of something new, of invitation, of hope, or joy? Where did you experience these things over the past year? And again, just hold these things up before God. And as we do this, whether in the desolation or the consolation, I want us to look to God and say, thank you for bringing me here. Because even those hard moments even those desolations that we've faced, God is a good author who uses them to bring us to a good resolution. How are each of these moments an invitation to continue growing in him? Oh, Lord, we say thank you for bringing us to this moment as we look at our story over this past year with both the desolations and the consolations. And God, just like the people in Nehemiah chapter 9, we look at our life And we pray it to you. Our lives are not just moments passing by, but opportunities to discover who you are. And so draw us more deeply into you and the story that you're writing. And draw us into the story that you have yet to write. pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining in that exercise. Um, so just like we have the last few weeks, uh, and I know we've just done some reflecting already, I want to invite you to, to head over to the walls. There are a couple more sheets of paper uh, There. And I have this question for us to consider this week. As we prayerfully reflect, how would you describe the story that God is writing among us? As we prayerfully reflect, how would you describe the story that God is writing among us? So think of all those moments. It can be from this past year, but you know many of you have, have been a part of this church for decades. And so maybe even think about that big story. What story is God writing among this church family? What are some words or phrases that come to mind as you think of that story? Moments of, of desolation, moments of consolation. How might we pray our own story before God? And so I invite you to consider this and then go write something on the wall, or uh, you can stay seated and text in a response there, or if you're watching online, you can do that as well. And we'll keep considering this together. What story is God writing among us? So, a couple. Songs of reflection will play over the next several minutes as we consider. Let's reflect together.